Well, I wanted to, to talk with you about something that would be connected to this season of the year. And of course, if you, um, as you make your way into uh, the church sanctuary, you see people with gift bags and gifts handing them out. In fact, I can look down the aisle and you, you can see little gifts here and there and, and back in the back. Um, gift giving is really just, just part of Christmas time for us. And we got thinking about, well, you know, why the gift giving at Christmas? And I actually looked it up to find out, you know, what's the history on this? Well, of course, gift giving at Christmas time uh, reminds us of the wise men who came from the east to worship the Christ child and brought their gifts that showed their worship of him and their recognition of who he was. But the tradition of giving Christmas gifts as we do now actually kind of developed in, in more recent centuries. In some ways, it harks back to ancient times um, because, you know, people are people and they give gifts at, at different times of year, celebrations, and the celebration of the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year um, called Saturnalia, um, they would give gifts. Not exactly how we do, but, but, but Christians kind of incorporated that and celebrated Christmas at the same time of year. Well, well, many who celebrate Christmas today uh, aren't thinking about the birth of the Lord Jesus at all. Uh, they're thinking about time off from work. They're thinking about time with family, and they're probably going to give gifts as well. Um, some so much don't think about Jesus uh, that they want to ban nativity scenes and substitute happy holidays for uh, Merry Christmas, never mind that holiday means comes from Holy Day. Um, still, in a culture like ours, um, the Christmas season offers more opportunity to turn attention to Christ than nearly any other time of year. I'm often amazed at how many people are actually talking about Jesus, whether or not they actually know Him, but they're talking about Him, and, and there's some common knowledge about who He is that gives us opportunity to share the gospel. And sometimes all the gift-giving turns into a fixation on gift-getting, um, feeding an affluent society's ever-present desire for more. And, you know, you'll hear people complain about the commercialization of Christmas. But what if gift-giving were to express something profoundly Christian? And that's what I want to explore tonight. I think it actually can. Um, instead of us being kind of grumps and scrooges about bah humbug the gift giving at Christmas um, and some of the extra sacrifice that that might mean in terms of, of what it takes to find uh, what we need to give to others, to look at gift giving and its connection to Jesus and the gospel itself. And to do that, I'd like us to turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 9, 6-15, or follow with me on the screen. And I'm going to read the passage, and then we'll talk about uh, the setting and why Paul is writing this, and then make some applications to gift-giving in general. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound or overflow in every good work. As it is written, 
He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. For the ministry of this service, and we'll talk about what that means, is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. Well, they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Now, obviously, we could spend a lot of time uh, doing an exposition of this passage. Uh, We're going to fly over this briefly. In, In ancient times and in modern times, we give gifts to those that we love, not just at Christmas time. We give gifts at times of celebration, and we give gifts to those in need. And you recognize that this passage is not about giving gifts at Christmas time, but about giving to meet the needs of others. These verses are part of Paul's appeal to the church of Corinth, which was a wealthy city, to make good on their commitment to join in giving to the relief efforts for believers in Judea who are suffering famine, who are actually going through the come of the kinds of things that we uh, learned about in in South Africa and the needs uh, there in recent years. They were to give as an expression of love to these brothers and sisters in need, but but ironically, those in Corinth seemed to be lagging behind others who were less wealthy than they, the believers up in northern Greece and Macedonia. And, And Paul is basically saying to them, get with it. And understand that there's great blessing in being generous toward the needs of others. So, three great truths we're going to look at tonight. First off, generosity. God loves generous givers. This is just a general principle that is true of all of life. Second, trust. God supplies everything we need. We see that in verses 8 through 11. And finally, gratitude. God has given the ultimate gift verses 12 through 15. So, let's talk about generosity. God loves generous givers. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So, we're talking about planting a harvest and harvesting that harvest. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So here you have the Scriptures teaching us that giving is like planting. The more you plant, the more you harvest. Now, a farmer has only so much seed. If he decides to plant less seed because he's worried about giving too much of it away, he actually reduces his harvest. He reduces how much that he'll have. You take the seed, then actually produces more than what you planted. That's the point. So, if you're worried that you won't have enough for yourself, if you give to others, you're actually reducing what you have, not saving it. It's kind of an application of the principle, if you try to save your life, you lose it. And so, one of the principles about being a generous person is that if you're generous, it doesn't mean you won't have enough. Actually, if you're stingy, 
that's actually going to shorten your supply more than you're being generous. And so, Paul says to give as you've decided in your heart. In other words, be deliberate in what you give. In other words, giving ought to be something, we might do it just on, you know, spontaneously on the fly, but, but, but if we're going to give, part of what we need to do is actually plan for it. We need to purpose to do it. We need to look into what we ought to be giving to. Not reluctantly. It's not out of grief. It's like, like oh, no, I have to do this, and this is such a pain to have to do this. Um, and not under compulsion. You don't do it because you have to, but to do it cheerfully. We actually get the word hilarious from this. Have you ever, have you ever rejoiced in in the well-being of somebody else that you actually got to have a part in? It, it makes you want to laugh. I mean, there's, there's some people that, that because of the connection that we've had, I, I, I get to watch how they're prospering and know that I had a small part of that. It makes me want to laugh. It, it makes me really grateful that I was able to give a part of myself to them and, and it, it makes for cheerfulness. There's something beautiful about giving to another person and seeing that person derive joy, seeing that person prosper, seeing that person's needs met. And you think about the change that a gospel works in a person, and one of, one of the best descriptions of it that in, in terms of practical giving that there is in the Scriptures. Ephesians 4.28, let the thief no longer steal. So here's a person that made his living taking from other people. Rather, let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So you have this complete reversal from being a taker to being a giver. And so he works at not how much he can take, he works at how much he can give. Christ tells the parable of the dishonest manager in Luke 16, and, and basically the point of what he says is, use what's of value only here on earth to make friends who will welcome you in heaven. Here's the way he puts it in Luke 16, 9, and I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, and unrighteous doesn't mean that it's dirty money, it just means that the, the money could be used for good or for bad, it's not in itself a, a righteous thing. It's actually useful only for a time, so that when it fails, and it will fail, it doesn't matter how much money you have when you die or how many things you have when you die, you're leaving it all, every last red cent of it. When it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwelling. So, what is he saying? He's saying, look, use your stuff, use what you have to meet the needs of other people, Use your stuff to make connection with others in, in, in good ways. Use your stuff to advance the gospel in their lives. So in your, in your time, anything you have of value, use it in order to bring people to Christ, to show them who God is, because some of those very people will be those that welcome you into heaven when you finally get there. They're going to say, I am so glad that you gave of yourself so that I got to know Jesus. And that's what Jesus is talking about. So the gifts that we give are not just material things, because the things we have of value aren't just material things. We Christians should be giving of our abilities and of our time, 
our insights, our love, anything we have of value is something that can be given to other people. Uh, Taking whatever God has given us for the good of others and then using those gifts that way. So every day that God gives you, that's a gift. You You didn't earn the day. God just gave it to you. You can take that day. And, and you can use it in a way that it actually benefits other people, people that will welcome you into heavenly habitations. And so the Scriptures talk about this quite a bit in the New Testament, especially 1 Peter 4 and also Romans 12. As each has received a gift, talking about spiritual gifts, use it to serve one another as good stewards, as good managers of God's varied grace. God freely gave it to you. Now, He says, look, Be a good manager of it. Whatever ability you have, whatever time you have, whatever money you have, whatever resources you have, use those resources in a good way as a good manager. Romans 12, 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace. Remember, grace is free. It's a free gift given to us. Let us use them. And in each case, uh, Peter has a shorter list. Romans has a longer one. And then 1 Corinthians, another list. But, but talks about the things that God gives in terms of abilities, spiritual gifts, and, of course, we have time and resources as well that we can use for the good of other people and for the glory of God. And, and Jesus talks about this. Jesus talks about living life in a way that, that is generous. Remember what he says when he predicts um, in the final judgment Um, as he judges those that will enter his kingdom and those who will not. In Matthew 25, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them. Truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So if you know the king, if you've trusted Christ as your savior and you're part of his kingdom, one of the ways that you show that in practical terms is is the way you respond to the needs you see all around you. The whole variety. And and all of this, it costs you something to go make a visit. It it costs you something to clothe somebody. It costs you something to give food or drink. It you've at least got to be paying attention. Rather than just zoned in on your own life, you're actually looking out for the needs of others. And this is the quintessential mark. This is the hallmark of those that actually belong to the kingdom of heaven because God is generous and his children are generous too. God loves generous givers. And And part of the reason that we're generous is the second point that this passage makes, and that's because of trust. We believe that God supplies everything we need. And and that's beyond just material resources. God is able, verse 8, to make all grace, 
Grace is not something I earn. It's something God gives beyond what I could earn. Abound, overflow to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound, you may overflow in every good work. So, you know, what is he saying? God is at work in your life so that you can live in this generous way. As it's written, he's distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Talking about the righteous person. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgivings to God. You know, some of the best supplied people I know are also the most generous. Some of the best supplied people I know are also the most stingy. But, but it's interesting how many people that, that are generous with what God gives them, God just keeps piling it in, keeps supplying them, because they're becoming like a distribution point of kindness to other people. God is the one who gives us whatever we have to give. So giving won't make us run out because God is the one who supplies what we need. Part of what God gives us is for giving. You know, as, as we work through life, as we put in our time, as we do our labors, we, we often increase what we have. Well, we're increasing what we have, not just so we can have it. You know, he who dies at the most toys wins. We, we increase what we have so that we have more that we can give toward other people. Seed sown turns into a harvest reaped and bread baked and mouths fed. And so our giving multiplies itself into all kinds of benefit, not just for those who receive the gifts, but for those who give them. God enriches us so that we can be generous. So don't waste what you have by hoarding it. And let me say this. We have a lot of kids here tonight. We've been talking about, about giving. It's natural for us to enjoy getting. Teach your children to give freely. Teach them by your own example and train them to do it themselves. Let them experience the joy that giving brings. And this is something that at this Christmas time, I would encourage you at this season of the year, this is the perfect time to make the point. This is the perfect time to give them opportunity to experience the joy of, of maybe, you know, picking out the gift and and, you know, waiting expectantly for, you know, their sister or their brother or their mom or their dad to open up the gift that they picked out or that they helped purchase so that they learn the joy that giving brings. And giving goes beyond that. It doesn't just do good toward other people. Giving to others brings glory to God because when Christians find their needs met, through the generosity of other Christians, they give thanksgiving to God because he was the one that makes people generous. So, that leads us to the third point we see in this passage, and that is gratitude. God has given the ultimate gift. 
Verse 12, for the ministry of the service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. By their approval of this service, they will glorify God. Why are they glorifying God? Because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. In other words, they recognize that this generosity is the offshoot, is the fruit of these Gentile believers here in Corinth actually trusting in Jesus. Generosity is so much a hallmark of those that are actually born again that when people display generosity, it makes others who know that this is a hallmark praise God that God is actually at work among these people. And the generosity of your contribution for them and for all others, while they long for you and pray for you. You know, when, you, when you're generous toward a person, there's a relationship that's built there that that now begins to work both ways. They're praying for they They know you. They, they know you're actually born again. They, they pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. Remember, grace and gift are they're related terms because grace is not something I earn. It's something God just gives out of love for us. And that's what a gift is. And then he ends with these words, thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. The gospel is really all about God's gift of salvation. We did not earn it. It comes to us by His grace as a free gift. We know well, Romans 6, 23, the wages, the payment of sin is death. We buy death with our sin. That's the receipt that we get. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, when we give, we reflect the generous heart of God toward us, and we build relationships with others as we respond with generosity to their needs. His gifts to us of salvation through Jesus Christ is beyond anything we could ever afford or earn. It is indescribable in value. You, you can't put into words. In fact, really, when we look at what God has promised us, it's almost it's beyond what we can fully take in while we're still in this life. It's, it's seemingly too good to be true. What would it actually be like to be in a new heaven and a new earth where there is no sin or death or sorrow or crying? What would it actually be like to live in the capital city of the universe that's 1,500 miles cubed, full of precious stones and and rivers and trees? And what will it be like to, to have a connection with people that, that is deep and meaningful and loving people of every generation who belong to Jesus? We, we, we know it's true, and how what it will all be like to experience is beyond, really beyond the pale of what we've ever experienced. It is inexpressible. Much of the giving we do as a church family is tied directly or indirectly to gospel mission. The gospel mission of the church to evangelize the world and to live out the gospel. And it's amazing what can be done when people give faithfully. We've seen that especially over the last couple of years. It's just, just amazing to see what God is doing uh, through you as a church family. In Old Testament and New Testament saints, right with God, are givers. They're generous, and it's still that way. 
In fact, it's really a strange thing. It's a, it's a kind of a contradiction for those that are part of a church body to take no personal responsibility uh, for what they receive each week, and, and thankfully there's very few like that. They're often those with no skin in the game are the first to complain. I've learned that over the years um, because stinginess is not a godly trait and neither is griping. Um, but let me encourage those of you who are faithful to giving through the church, and many of you are, to make sure that that's just a sampling of your generosity, that, that your generous spirit extends to every part of your life at home and in the community. That, that you're the kind of person in the home that, that's quick to help. Look, your kids get it. You heard them tonight. That, you know, cleaning up your room, making up your bed, helping with the, helping with the dishes, helping with it. The, they understand that when there's work to be done and there's needs to be met, that there's ways that people who are generous step up to meet the needs. So we want to make sure our life, when we're just being who we are, that our life shows generosity. We want to see to it that we display the generous love for God and our own generous lifestyle wherever we come across needs. We want to be those in the community that actually have eyes that are open to needs and don't just pass by or ignore it, but we think about how we can make a difference. We want to show the joy in giving not just things, but our time and ourselves to others out of love for them and love for God. Because God has given us the ultimate gift, and that makes us who have received His amazing gift hilariously happy to give to others. So let me encourage you this Christmas time, and really every time uh, Christmas rolls by or a birthday, just a, a small reminder that people that know God are generous people, that God loves generous givers. Generosity, God loves generous givers. Trust, God supplies everything we need. We don't need to be worry warts and fretful. And gratitude, because God has given the ultimate gift. And with Jesus, that ultimate gift, He has given us everything we need for life and godliness.